those of you in this room that have experienced God's wonder when you've gone on a hike and you've gone up into the mountains. I was sitting with uh, uh, my uh, uh, brother-in-law here the other day and was talking about, he says, I just love when I get up there above all of the stuff. And he said, I don't know, it's, it's free. It's, you can see for miles and miles. It's just a beautiful time. And he says, I feel so connected with God when I, when I get up there. But you know, it's, the foothills, that's kind of cool. But when you, when you really get up there, Natalie and I had an opportunity, like many of you, to go on some hikes. And I remember us both saying, Let's do this next weekend, and the next weekend after that, this is wonderful, this is great. And then, and then we realize, wait a minute, we can't set our calendars to us going on hikes every weekend. So uh, raise your hand if you've experienced what I'm talking about. Top of the mountain, okay, there's many of you, okay. Uh, uh, the last time you were out, who, most recent, like within, uh, within the last six months, most recent, anybody been up there? Okay, your schedule too, we have one. Okay, got to schedule that in for you. So mountains, mountaintop experiences. And you know, it's interesting in the Bible because Mount Moriah is where Abraham went when he was tested to sacrifice his only son. There's something special about a faith move um, in front of God. Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the the rules to live this new community. This new community he had the rules. This is how we live. And so he brought the Ten Commandments among others down. And this is how we live with God that so loved us and saved us out of Egypt. We get to live this new life. And so Moses brought that down for the people. You know that, that Mount Moriah was the same mountain where Jesus went up on the cross that it was promised that there would be one sacrificed instead of Isaac. And Jesus was that one. And he took that sacrifice for you and for me. And if you've believed on the Lord Jesus, then you've been set free to live this new life. You understand that his sacrifice, his love sacrifice for you and for me for all eternity, we get to enjoy, we get to enjoy God. So interesting, Jerusalem is built on that mountain. And, uh, and many people go there. Matter of fact, uh, there's three, um, three main feasts that the uh, Jewish people are encouraged to go to, even to this day, uh, the Passover and then Pentecost and then, and then the Booths, uh, the Feast of Booths. They're, they're encouraged to do that. And they're encouraged that if you can't, uh, once in your lifetime, and so still to this day, they're encouraged to go. And it's amazing as, as you go... Uh, up it is up on a mountain, so there's this there's this humbleness as they go. But as the people were going, they were expecting great things. Um, matter of fact, in this room, has anybody uh, anybody traveled to Jerusalem? Been up on that mountain? Okay, Stephen, Ruthie, and who? Where's Alice? She's here somewhere. Um, so what a privilege to be able to do that. And I um, just want to thank you again that Natalie and I will experience that through your wonderful gifts that we get to go in the last part of August this year. And so we get to experience that. But the mountain we're going to talk about today is, is not a physical mountain, but it's a place of meeting with God. 
that you know that you're in his presence and you get to experience that. So open up your scriptures to Isaiah chapter 56. So um, Isaiah chapter 56, and we're going to do two verses, seven and eight, so we're going to be out of here in about 10 minutes. Just get ready for that. Um, So this is what the scripture says. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others beside those who were gathered to him. So that was Isaiah chapter 56, if I said that wrong, 7 and 8. But um, just the context of this, um, Isaiah... uh, Chapters 1 through 39 are, are all about um, God's wrath and, and, and um, uh, warning for the people. And then from, from 39 on, there's this hope. There's this hope that happens. And so go back to verse 1 in, in Isaiah 56 and watch this. So we're in, the, we're in that hope, uh, hope chapters, and it says, Thus says the Lord, keep justice, uh, do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come, my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who lays hold of it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Verse 3. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who have kept my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast to my covenant. And then verse 7 and 8. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations. And the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others beside those who who are gathered to him. All right. So, there's, in verse 7, the first part of verse 7 is a destination, a, a, a hope, a destination. There, there's a place to go. Uh, even them, I will bring them to my holy mountain. I will bring them to my mountain. And so really what we're talking about is this time with God. We're talking about this 
prayer time, this time to really connect with God. So I want you to help me out a little bit here. How would you describe prayer? I'm going to start over here. Just raise your hands. How else would you decide, uh, describe prayer rather than prayer? So, Diane? Talking to God. Okay, anybody else want to describe prayer to God? And I'm trusting that you're doing that. So what's that like? What, do you, what is prayer? Talking to God. Hearing from God. Not only talking, but hearing from God. Okay. Connecting with God. That's a good one. Connecting. Time to connect with the God that created the world. Worship. Worship. Time of worship. You're so wonderful. I was thinking in my mind, we, we hear praise. Praise is this. Worship is this. So it's, it's giving God everything we are. Um, Linda. <laughs> enjoying the presence of God. Think about that mountaintop that we go up on hiking, enjoying God's creation, enjoying God. Okay, one more over here. Oh, yeah. Togetherness. Togetherness, yeah. And Lori? Communing with God. Communing with God. Okay, anybody else over here? Donna? Uh, I've always been told that Acts, the, the word Acts, Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. The asking. So many of you heard this. She was going through the acronym of, of ACTS. So adoration, confession, and thanksgiving, and then supplication, asking God. Mm. I was with a prayer warrior here a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I've learned this. I've learned, first of all, to pray up and to pray in and to pray out. Isn't that interesting? It's that simple. Okay, anybody else? Your experience of prayer, how do you describe that? Prayer. Surrendering all to God. Surrendering all to God. Amen. So we get to sing some songs about joy and we get to sing songs about who am I? That you would do this. That's the God of love. Okay. So, um, when the people went up to Jerusalem, there's song, psalms in the, in the Bible that are called Psalms of Ascent. And they were this pilgrimage of people that went up to Jerusalem to celebrate. And they would be in Psalms 120 through 134. But I want to pick just a couple of those. So go, uh, Psalms are about in the middle of your Bible. Go to Psalms uh, 121. 121, and uh, it starts this way. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Isn't that beautiful? I will lift my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Isn't that that wonderful? He will not allow your foot to move, to be moved. He, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He will preserve your soul. The Lord will preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Um, Let's see, I'll read a little bit more in Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And our feet have been standing with 
within your gates, O Jerusalem. Um, jump to Psalm 123. Unto you I lift my eyes, O, o you who dwell in the heavens. Behold the eyes of your servants. Look to the hand of their master as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. Wow. Uh, uh, Chapter 125 in Psalms, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. And so on it goes with, this was their songs. And so they were anticipating their time together, anticipating their time with the Lord of all creation, anticipating their time to celebrate their great deliverance from Egypt, anticipating their time so they were get, getting excited. Isn't it interesting that we do, uh, and it's a cool thing to allow ourselves to get excited about something coming. And in a way, we get more out of that one event, right? We get all geared up and getting all excited. And some of you with Christmas, you, some of you still have your Christmas lights up. And that's okay. You're getting ready for, so you're just anticipating this great time, anticipating this the greatest time that you could ever have is with your God that created you and created the whole world. This time with him. So we're talking about not a physical mountain, but a mountain uh, in God's presence when we go and meet with him. Um, in, uh, go back to Isaiah 56. And uh, if you turn to Isaiah 55... That whole thing is, is God beckoning his people to come. And so I want to just look at a couple of verses in Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, verse 1, come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. And then he asks this question, why do you spend money for what does not, is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me that you may live. So this, this is where life began, that every day you get to meet with this God that he, he made you. So what a privilege that you and I get to do that. So come into his presence uh, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus tells this story about a rich man who sent out invitations for people to come to the wedding feast. And the people that he knew, some of his close friends said, um, I've got some other things to do. Sorry, I can't make it. And then he said, well, go out to the highways and byways and just fill this place. That's God's love for you and for me. Fill our hearts, fill us with who he is. So going to meet with the Lord, anticipating meeting with the Lord. Maybe some of you, even this morning, 
You're anticipating getting together here. You're anticipating singing songs to the Lord together with others. You're anticipating time to share with one another. You are already praying over this time together. You're going, this is a special time. This is like we're going up to that mountain together where we get to meet with the Lord and we get to hear from his word and we get to, we get to rejoice with him. And maybe that was some of you, maybe all of you are going, yeah, I can't wait. Um, so just the question that I was thinking about is this time, not just here, but where do you meet with the Lord to connect with him, to pray with him, opening his word and hearing from him through his word and through the spirit in you. So just a couple of you, raise your hand. Is Where is that specific place that you go that's just... You have to go to a place to find that solitude to do that. Where is that place? Oh, over here. Go ahead, Chris. In my bedroom. Bedroom. Okay. Yeah, Terry. Every morning during devotion. Okay, somewhere in the house then. In, in, in the yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so you don't go outside and stand in the rain. And Okay, good. All right, over here. Where Where is that place? Laundry room. Laundry room. Now, there's some other moms that understand that. I've got to have peace in the laundry room. Anybody else over here? Where, Lori? Walking. You're walking with Jesus. Amen. Walking with the Lord. Any other walking with the Lord people here? When the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the park? Okay. Mowing the lawn. Did you hear that? Mowing the lawn. I get the... Yes. Glenn said yes. And I don't know if you know it. He's got that big yard over there and it takes him three hours to do it. So three hours with Jesus. <laughs> yes, Clint. Riding a bike. Now he puts 100 miles on his bike. That's not just... So... God has called each of us to a certain spot to connect with them. And, and, that's, and, and then some of you have realized, wait a minute, I can connect with them while I'm, wait, there's, I can connect them with different places. But then there's a special time to open up his word and to connect with them and, and get all the other stuff out. Maybe this morning God is talking to you about, it's been a while since you've connected with me in that special way. You've been, you've been busy and you've been talking to me as you're going, but maybe he's calling you today to go, wait, I, I need to find a special time that I can just meet with my creator. So maybe God's helping you to decide that now. That is one of the most important things or the most important thing that we could ever do. Jesus himself had to meet with his father. It seemed like every time after an event, where did Jesus go? Oh, there he's, he's going over there to meet with his father. Where's he at? Oh, there he goes. So if Jesus had to do that, you know, maybe the reason why you've been kind of foggy in your thinking lately, it's because you haven't been meeting, you haven't been really holding still long enough and really been, looking at his word long enough to hear clearly from him. And he wants to speak to you. So uh, back in Isaiah chapter 56, the first thing we see is that even them I will bring to my holy mountain 
And then the mountain experience, I think, is fascinating to me that I uncovered this. The mountain experience is supposed to be joyful. Is that interesting? I think that maybe if you grew up like me, prayer was, Lord, I need your help, Lord. And there wasn't the worship, and there wasn't the praise, and there wasn't really meeting with God. It was just desperation. Help me out of this mess. And then once that's over, it's like, okay, I just go on my day. He says right here that he will make them joyful in my house of prayer. What? Joyful? So let's talk about that for a minute. He will make you joyful. So anticipating meeting with the Lord like the the Hebrew people did going up to the mountain to celebrate God and his deliverance was supposed to be joyful. And so your, your time with God is supposed to be joyful. Even if there's a burden that you're carrying, don't you think that he wants to lift you up instead of just you carry that burden and you just keep, he wants to lift you up and it can become joyful because he cares for you and he loves you and he knows exactly what you're going through. So a joyful experience. Let's talk about that for a minute. Joy, joy. What is that? What is that joy? And so I looked up um, Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. So go with me to Galatians, New Testament. Galatians chapter 5 uh, verse 22. And in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, he talks about the Holy Spirit experience. And you know, in an amazing way, Uh, That's what we're talking about when we meet with God in our daily time, that we meet with God to get fresh manna, to to hear from him. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love. What, What is love? The ultimate form of love is what Christ demonstrated from the cross. God demonstrates his own love toward us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that's love. So he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That, that love right there. By the way, if you truly want to love someone, then you're going to sacrifice your life for them. That's true demonstration of love. I was talking to a guy, just met him at... Uh, the lumber yard the other day. He was standing in line and we were standing waiting and there was somebody real busy and I said, hey, my name's Steve, what's yours? And, and he said his name was Jim. I think it was. It wasn't you, Jim. It was another Jim. I said, so what are you up to? Yeah, he said, my kids need something fixed and so I'm retired now and this is what I do. And he said, but I love it because they want me to help them to fix stuff. He said, why are you here? Well, my son called and he said he needed some, some boards. So I'm here doing that same thing that I get to, I get to love that. And it, it becomes a joyful sacrifice. Amen? It, it, you're, we're helping. We're, you know, we've been there. We know. We understand. And so we're in that place of being able to help. So love. Love. Joy. This joy that, that um, in, in Psalm 1611 it says, In his presence 
is the fullness of joy. So doesn't that mean that when we meet with God, we should experience the fullness of joy up here? That when we get done with our prayer time in the morning, we should come out going, I'm just so... What? Why not? The fullness of joy. Why not? Is that, is that what we should expect and experience? I can't wait to pray today. I get to go. I was talking to a man of prayer last week, and he said, you know, I, I realized that I wasn't, um, I wasn't praising God in my prayer time, and I wasn't worshiping him, and so I decided that I would start doing that, so I decided to I'd do it for five minutes. And he said, it was the longest five minutes. He said, but I, I did it. And then pretty soon it went to, it went to 10 minutes. And he said, this is good. And so he's not asking God for anything. He's just, oh, and then it went to, and finally it worked around to a whole hour. And he said, every Sunday morning, now, he said, every Sunday morning, I can't wait because that's the day that I have set aside an hour in the morning when I get up just to praise and worship God all by myself. And he said, so all week long, I'm going, is it Sunday yet? Shouldn't we? Wouldn't that be just awesome to experience that kind of, yes, in his presence is fullness of joy. What is that? Except that he's got everything. He is the joy giver. Why wouldn't we expect joy to happen? So um, joy, love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This, it talks about the spirit, but this is what we can expect in our time with the Lord, the fullness of joy. So uh, back in Isaiah um, 56, it says, I will bring them to my holy mountain. So expecting, anticipating. And then when we get there, we're going to experience these things. We're going to experience joy. And then we're going to experience acceptance. It says, their burnt offerings and their sacrifice will be accepted on my altar. I like that. I remember hearing years ago, a guy say, hey, you know what? You're welcome around my fireplace anytime. Your burnt offerings and sacrifices are accepted on my altar. The leaders in Israel at the time of Jesus messed up. They had it wrong. And you remember a few weeks ago, we went through Jesus saying, look, you're a cup. You're clean on the outside, but you're filthy on the inside. And he would say to them, what you're missing is justice and the love of God. You're missing that. That's, that's what you're missing. You're doing all these tithes of mint and all this stuff, and you look good on the outside, but what you're missing is justice and the love of God. I want to show you something. Turn to the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 15. What kind of sacrifice does God want? from us today. What did he want back then? What does he want? So, uh, 1 Samuel. So, if you look at my Bible, this is the front of the Old Testament. So, right about in there, you'll find you'll find 1 Samuel. If you go to 2 Samuel, you've gone too far. 
So what happened here is that Saul stepped out of bounds and he didn't do what uh, God had commanded him to do. And so the prophet Samuel is uh, straightening him up. Verse 20 out of 1 Samuel chapter uh, 15, verse 20. Saul said to Samuel, but I have, Saul said to the prophet Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone on a mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen and the beast of the things which have been utterly destroyed, should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to obey than to sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. And listen to this in verse 23. For rebellion is as of sin of the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He has also rejected you from being king. What is our sacrifice? But it's obeying the Lord. That's our sacrifice. However you cut it, it comes down to he will accept on his altar our burnt offerings and sacrifices, and that is obeying the Lord. That is obeying the Lord. Because there's times it's hard to obey the Lord when the world's telling you to cheat and to do all this other stuff. You can get around this. You don't have to go through this. Obeying is what the sacrifice before the Lord is. He says, I will accept that. So when you love someone and you sacrifice yourself in order for them to have something better for them, God sees that. Every time you do that, that's a sweet aroma to the Lord going, he gets it. Look at it. He's doing what I would do. He's loving enough to sacrifice his life for another instead of his opinion, instead of... Look at at her. She's sacrificing. That's his sweet to the Lord. So you can know that the Lord your God, every time you sacrifice your will to help somebody else, that's sweet to the Lord. That brings him pleasure. So when you meet with the Lord, joy in who God is, he's given you life to live, and your offering as you come before the Lord, how'd I do? I do okay. And he looks at your scarred hands or the inside that you've had to hold back from talking, and you've taken verbal abuse maybe at times and you've just given it to the Lord instead of arguing and fighting you just you sacrifice that and maybe you began to just pray for that enemy of yours that person that has been causing you trouble that's sweet to the Lord so he accepts your sacrifice anytime it doesn't matter how little or how big every time you do that it's a spe- it's special to the Lord 
So meeting with the Lord is this encouragement and full of joy. You're doing it. He's going to encourage you every single time. You're doing it. So we can expect uh, joy, we can expect acceptance, and we can also expect instruction, that he's going to instruct us in what we are to do. Um, We are in Isaiah. Go to Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2. In Isaiah chapter 2, it talks about going up to the mountain to expect teaching. Um, Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the later days that the mountain of the Lord, of the Lord's house, shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Let's stop there. So three things are going to happen when you meet with the Lord. You're going to experience joy because in his presence is fullness of joy. So we can get excited about meeting with the Lord, probably the most exciting time that you could ever have during your day. The other one is is he's going to accept your sacrifice of love and the way you love those around you. And the third is you're going to be taught something. So go expecting to be taught, right? Lord, tell me, show me. Expecting to be taught. So I talked about Moses going up and receiving the commandments and coming down. He was he was being taught. Um, when he came down, and we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. I'm jumping ahead here. Um, in Matthew chapter 21, uh, so go to Matthew chapter 21, because it talks about my house shall be called a house of prayer. Matthew chapter 21. In this instruction, he's going to help us with some things in our lives. And so this actually happened that Jesus did that, but there's, a, there's an application for me and maybe you'll get it too. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who had bought and sold into the temple and overturned their tables uh, of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. <laughs> Jesus turned that all around. That they were a self-consuming people. And he came in and he said, this is what it needs to be. I'm going to clean house here. And I'm going to set up what I, what I ask. And that is my house should be a house of prayer. Our lives are filled with clutter. Stuff comes in. We're not taking time with the Lord and we get distracted and maybe the most precious time in your day is watching a certain program or what. Somehow it'd get all mixed up and maybe even today the Lord's saying, you know what? I'm going to clean house today for you so that 
my house. So this house right here needs to be a house of prayer. House of prayer. And he says, then he invited the, the blind and the lame, and, and he healed them. That God wants to heal you and me for our different priorities. That you are to be a walking and talking house of prayer wherever you go. And what is that prayer? It's connecting with God. And you can do that anytime, everywhere, all the time, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's his plan, his design, as since you've believed in Lord Jesus, that you'd be filled with his spirit and you would ask and participate in that. So every thought, every word, everything done brings honor to the Lord, loving God and loving others. So he's going to teach you and me He's going to redirect some of our lives. So we're going to know his joy. We're going to know his acceptance. And we're going to know his instruction and what we do next and how we do this. Jesus said, a new commandment I have for you is to love one another. That's, that's his, his kingdom. So you can always know that he's going to steer you in the way of everything you do being funneled through love of God and love for one another. Always. You can know that's his plan. So then, in, back in Isaiah 56, verse 8, I called it the, the mountain valley. So now there's the time coming down from the mountain. And here's God's heart. Not just for the Hebrew people, but it shows here that he's drawing anyone, everyone to himself. It says, O oh Lord, The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, yet I will gather to him others beside those who he gathered to him. So that reminds me of of Luke when he says, go out to the highways and byways and and gather them. That they would come and they would know me. God's heart then is for you and for me to be constantly looking for the lost that they may find the Lord. That's... That's the spirit of God in you is that as you go through your life, you're just looking for opportunities to go. Do you know the Lord? Because saving of souls, because unless they've believed in Lord Jesus, they're spending eternity forever and ever lost without him. And we call it hell or the lake of fire. So, so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now your mindset is straight on, okay. And you know, the first people around us are the people that he's called us to. And then we go from there. You have family members that you're in contact with. What are you doing? Well, the first thing is you're praying for their souls. You're praying for that opportunity that God would enlighten them. So that's your first place is the people that are closest to you. And then maybe, like what I did the other day, the guy at the, at the store, I said, hey, yeah, I'm doing this. And I said, isn't it amazing that, that we're loving our kids? And he said, you know, that's, a, that's amazing that you put that's that's an ultimate kind of love. But he said, you know, selfishly, I'm hoping for the love to come back to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the kingdom of God is the love would come back to you. He used some other terms that it didn't sound like he was at least churched. But we're looking for those opportunities to say, hey, my name is and see, see if we're going. So the other day, too, I just I have to share this at Jeremiah's place his new place that we're uh, redoing, um, the neighbor comes walking up the way and and he was a talker. Have you ever been with p- people that are talkers? And it was just great. I found out a whole bunch about him without even saying anything. 
And it was just great, you know. And so I just had to sit there and go, wow, that's great, yeah. So finally I just said, yeah, I'm helping my son here. And, and, uh, and I said, um, yeah, I used to be in, in maintenance work, but now I'm a pastor. And he said, you're a pastor? He said, yeah, I grew up right here, and I, right here in Ferndale, and I went to the Assemblies Church, and now I'm down in Renton, and we're rebuilding this house for my mom. And I said to him, you know, you know Chris, I was just fishing to see if, if you were. And I said, praise God, brother, shook his hand. It was a wonderful thing. So you know what? Not only do we fish for people that are lost, but we fish for other believers so that we can encourage them along the way. And it's like, way to go. That's God's heart. That's what happens to us is now we've got the focus of why he saved you. It wasn't just for you to go to heaven. As uh, Denise James would say to her nephew, he said, man, I've just lost. I just want God to take me now. And she said, he doesn't want you to come alone. There you go. There you go. So he's not ready for you. He doesn't want you to come alone. So down from the valley, we can expect, and Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now that, now that he's taught all the disciples everything, he said, now go. Go and make disciples. Get going. And of course, in Acts 1, he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will do that through you, that you will be my witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's why we go to the Lord every day and we say, Lord, please fill me that I may work as working unto the Lord, no matter what that is. Because there's two things happening. One is that we're looking for the lost and then people need to see what it's like for someone that has a relationship with God Almighty, how they live their life. That's what people want to see. How does that work? So they come down from the mountain. So we're talking about prayer. This is all about communicating with God in that place where we get three things. We get joy beyond reason. We get acceptance and we get instruction. Every single day he wants to help us with this life that he's given us. And so we're talking about prayer. What is prayer again? A place that you relate with God, a place of connecting with God, a place of relationship that you're stopping everything, this invisible God that you can't see and you are knowing his presence. You're responding to God. So, um, years ago, so do we have a couple more mountain shots there? So, um, years ago, I realized that I really, um, honestly, wasn't a man of prayer. I realized that there was more, uh, there, there had to be more. And there was this calling to, to meet with the Lord in the morning and so yearning to meet with him. And so I began to do that, just wanting, wanting that experience with God, that joy and all that. And as time went, even that, I, it seemed like I fulfilled that time in the morning, but um, I really wouldn't call myself a man of prayer. Um, and so the Lord's been working on me to become this person needs to be a house of prayer. 
connecting with God, walking with God. And so the Lord's been doing things around me to, to make this connection, to, to become that, because I can't lead a church unless I'm a man of prayer. Because God has to lead me. You know, I could come up with cool programs or I could go look online and Google programs or I could go to a conference and come back. But unless I'm being led by the Lord, unless I'm serious about prayer, my family's going nowhere. We're going nowhere. So I know I need to be a man of prayer. And so I believe that God's been working in me all this time to become more and more that man of prayer to to do what he's asked me to do. So... Uh, about 20 years ago, uh, Pastor Van Vleck, sitting right up here, he arranged, he knew that too, and so he arranged at this church we would have a focus on prayer for 40 days. So he arranged and he had a speaker come in. And he had a speaker come in and he set things up and so we went through this 40 days of prayer. And I look back on that now and I go, where was I? I remember it happening. I remember his face, and I remember stuff happening. Um, so then, uh, as I was, uh, I, I'm not a book person. Uh, if I'm in the Word, then that's where I want to be. And so to read, about, so I have books on my bedstand that people have suggested, and I, I get to, re- you know, it's like, ah. So I read books like they're repair manuals. I, I want to find out how this works in my life and I don't have time for stuff you know I just how does this work so I was the other day I was in here and I was looking around and and I have some cool stuff from the past and I saw this book and it said love to pray I said wait that's me and then so I reached in and grabbed it and I pulled it out and I started going through it and I said I've been I've been doing that and I turned, wait a minute, I've been doing that. Who is this guy? You know, and so I, what I realized, it was the guy that was here 20 years ago that Steve brought in, and I'm just going, man, I, I, this is life. It was confirmation. I mean, do you know what it's like to be, get a confirmation that you're going in the right direction? And, and so the, the book is not the word of God. It's a tool, right? It's like my crescent wrench. It's a tool for me to get to God and his word, and so then I got mixed up because there was another book called The Joy of Praying. And so I laid my hands on that one. And I, I thought they were the same because they looked the same, but the title's the same. And if you know me, I don't read titles. I just, I don't know. I don't know. But so then I started going through this one going, wow. So as I'm praying about this, then I, I thought, I wonder if he's still alive. I wonder if now's the time for me and my family here that I minister with and stuff and out at Lummi and Nooksack to, um, to do this, to do this thing, this 40 days of prayer. I wonder, if, I wonder if we're tough enough to do it. I wonder if we're spiritual enough to do it together as a group. Or, there, or am I going to get resistance going, I know how to pray to, Come on, I, I'm busy. I don't have time for this. You know, I, I've got my thing going. So my hope is that we wouldn't have that, but we'd have full participation. Now, that's my prayer. 
and between you and the Lord. So, so as I was praying about this and going through this, and I finished this book, I decided, no, I heard Todd, some of you know, Todd said, hey, now that you bring up his name, I think I was sitting next to him at a prayer lunch. And I said, really? He's still alive. So I couldn't find his number, so I emailed him, nothing. Well, the next day I had scheduled to go, uh uh-oh, I'm going to go over the time. (laughs) That's the end, I guess. (laughs) I didn't know, I don't know, Lynn, Lynn's my timekeeper, and she's going like this. So, oh, man. So, so I was at the, so uh, we have this pastor's prayer meeting that Steve used to be a part of too, pastor's prayer meeting and then lunch in at the first, and so since COVID and all this stuff, I haven't been going, so I decided I should go. So went there, and uh, the man sitting in the back row, Jeremiah, he's, he's a minister up at Nooksack. I invited him to come today, so thank you, Jeremiah, for being here. And uh, my cousin, uh, Kat, over there, and her daughter, I asked if they'd come, and I said, I'm going to present something here, and so be praying. And so anyways, so... I'm there, and we're going through this prayer, and then it was time to do lunch. And, and so then I was getting ready to do lunch, and I looked across the room, and there he was. There was Alvin. I'm going, whoa. So I'm thinking, God has got this. And so I made my way. Excuse me. Pardon me. I can, you know, hey, Steve. I made my way through, and I got next to him, and I said, Alvin, I've been, I've been wanting to talk to you. He's looking at me, and he said, remind me who you are. <laughs> I said, well, let me do that for you. I said, 20 years ago. And he said, I just, where's that church? You know, and it's like, okay, it's been 20 years. He was, he was in his early 80s then, maybe 70s. So he's like close to night. So I'm getting all the years I don't. So anyways, I got to sit next to him and I was talking to him and I was just sharing my heart saying, I think we're at that point. Could you come back and could, could you do this? And he said, you know, I, I quit speaking um, 10 years ago. And he said, yeah, I, uh, I don't. And so, so then I was just sharing, okay, well, I've got these books and I just ordered a bunch of them. And, and uh, so the more I talked, he said, I'll, I'll break, my, uh, I'll br- I'll break my, my, my thing about no more. He said, I'll come. I said, really? I said, you're going to come? And he said, yeah. He said, matter of fact, why don't you follow me uh, to my place and I will get you another DVD. And, and I said, wow. So anyways, I, I went and I met and I talked with him. And uh, so we sat down and, and, and he shared his life. I said, where did prayer start with you? Because he's been the head of national prayer movements. He's, he was a pastor and God just went like this. And he shared me from shared start to finish, and I'm scribbling down notes that I can't read, and I'm just going. So, so then at the end of the month, he's going to come here, and he's going to speak to you. But here's how his prayer journey started. When he was 10 years old, um, he was upstairs in his bedroom, and he looked out the window. And out the window, there's a farm, and they had just, um, they had just, Uh, harvested the hay and they'd get it all into the barn and he was looking out there and he thought he saw a little light going like this and then before too long that whole barn was on fire you know they put together you know how that hay would do that if it's that whole thing caught fire and he was 
he was the neighbor, so it was a ways away, and so he's looking from his bedroom window, and he's just going. And the thought came to him. What if a fire started here in my house and I couldn't get out? Would I live or die? And what if I died? Would I go to heaven? So this 10-year-old boy is going, would I go to heaven? Interesting thing is that he stayed up. So that happened and he stayed up till 3 in the morning even watching the fire, but he began to call out to God, this 10-year-old boy, and he called out to God. And what he did was, because he was raised in a Christian home, he was processing everything that he was taught. And then he said, I believe. The minute that happened, peace settled on this 10-year-old boy. And he knew he was saved, and he knew God heard him. This 10-year-old boy went to prayer, and he said, that's when I learned how to pray. It was in that desperate time in my life. That's when I learned how to pray. So here's the plan. Five minutes a day for five days a week, and that'll take up 40 days. Do you have five minutes? Five minutes a day. You go through a page a day. The first one, so I ended up getting the joy of prayer. And so that first five days is about the joy of prayer. And it actually is uh, amazing enough. Isaiah chapter 56, 6 and 7. You got five minutes a day to participate with God's family. So one book book per family. Um, Cool if you do it together and there's discussion things. And if you want to get deeper, you could go in the back and there's more to do. But if you could do five minutes a day with us, can you commit to five minutes a day for five days? And we're going to do it for 40 days. You can do it at the kitchen table. You can do it just before you turn in. Five minutes a day for each family. So... What's going to happen here is that I'm hoping my prayer life goes like this, that every time I talk with the Lord, I'm going to experience his joy beyond measure, and I'm going to get and know that he's pleased with my sacrifice and, and instruction. And what we've been talking about for years even here now is that God wants us to be a house of prayer. That's why the sign out there on Saturdays need prayer. That's why we do this. That It's life with God. It's not this thing called prayer. It's about a relationship with God. And everything pivots there.